On this episode, we discuss avoiding capital gains taxes versus avoiding estate taxes. So we go into what are estate taxes and how expensive is the rate? When capital gains taxes can actually be better than an estate tax, why you would purposely want to hit the capital gains over estate. And then finally, how to reduce your overall taxes at death. As always, if this episode helps you or brings you value in any way, please do me a favor and share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, guys? Today, we're going to tackle a topic that is is probably very popular amongst people listening and unpopular amongst the left-leaning political community. And that's generational wealth. Now, I'm going to look at that from a stand, a vantage point of a younger person, because a lot of times this topic is addressed to the older generation, because that's who is going to be passing the wealth. But if you are, if they're, if your parents, for example, or whoever is going to potentially be giving assets to you, their advice might be coming from people who aren't looking at the big picture or they might be focused on one part of the equation versus the other. So here's how we can save taxes, save money, protect what your parents likely could give to you. So the reason that I want to bring this up, and I think it's it's very valuable, is because there's a, a lot of different professionals that bring this together. And they don't always have all the pieces. And here's what I mean. When we're talking about passing wealth from one generation to another, and now for business owner, this this gets even more complex and more important. But when you're passing assets from one generation to another, or just one person to another, that involves a legal professional, a tax professional, and likely the financial planner slash investment professional, depending on which asset class it is. They may, and so depending on your situation, there might be everyone on the same page and has the same skill set and priorities, or there might be people that are giving you what is good advice in theory, but it's missing a component. So I'll I'll give you a quick story. And this, this happened in real life. I wasn't a client of mine, but a client asked me this question because we have their whole estate set up and some of their properties that they own, both their primary residence and some vacation properties, they're inside of a trust or revocable trust specifically. And they had heard that this particular client, their assets are revocably owned, meaning that they could change anything they want inside of this this trust structure. Excuse me. And so they have their children listed as the successor trustees as well as beneficiaries. 
that has specific tax advantages. I'm going to give the, the highlights here, and then we're going to dive into all of it. So what happens there is when that person passes away, the every all the assets are titled to the name of that trust. So two cool things happen. They all get stepped up. And I'm, I'm going to explain all these terms afterwards, but I want the story to stick with you so you can see how we're working backwards. When they pass away, their assets get stepped up to fair market value. For taxes, that's a great thing because if you decide to sell that asset, it now has the same cost basis as the market, meaning you don't have a profit from a tax perspective on a sale. So the beneficiaries of that trust could do whatever they want with that asset without worrying about the tax ramifications. The other component of that is it passes to their their children outside of the court system. The court system is probate. And again, I'm going to define all these terms in more detail, but I want to give you examples. So in that scenario, you are evading legally or avoiding capital gains tax. It's a very popular strategy and it should be incorporated. Now, what the cautionary tale is here is the other person that was friends with them, they were trying to accomplish the same thing because a lot of people are given the advice. So like your parents might be getting this advice that they want to avoid probate. And that's an important component. And it is. And it's very important because probate can be a pain in the butt and expensive. And again, I'm going to define all these terms. So just hang with me for a minute. But that becomes that becomes the outcome that people are always shooting for because they're told to avoid probate. And that is a good thing. And this is why I caution you that you might have members of your team, specifically investment advisors, that they're trying to help you avoid probate. And that's great. But if they're unfamiliar with the tax ramifications of certain strategies to avoid probate, they could be pushing you into uh, a landmine. And this is, goes the same for some lawyers. A lot of lawyers are great at what they do from a legal perspective, but they don't know the tax side as well as they could or as well as some of their colleagues that know both. And so they could recommend a strategy to avoid probate, but not a strategy to avoid these capital gains taxes. So that's the cautionary tale. So today we're going to go into when you're either receiving the asset or as you get older, when you're passing the asset, there's two main components of tax that we're trying to do our best to minimize or avoid completely. It's the capital gains tax and it's estate taxes. So let's define those for us. An estate tax, it's a tax levied on the value of all your assets or your estate when you die and you're passing it to your heirs. Now, as I'm recording this, which is March of 2023, we're still under the estate tax limits from Donald Trump. It's 12.9 million. I'm going to call it 13 million for the rest of this podcast just to keep it simple. But each person is allowed to pass $13 million to their heirs without hitting this estate tax. So a married couple can give their kids the double of that because each one of the spouses has this. So they get 26. Everyone gets 13 per person or per couple is the 26. Now there's ways that you can group them if like most couples, they don't die at the exact same moment. There's ways to group those. Different topic, again, talk to a lawyer on that one, but there's ways, oh, talk to your lawyer and your accountant because there's a way for one spouse to capture the 13 million of the one who's passed away. Now, 
As I'm recording this, that 13 million per person has, has made the topic of estate taxes a lot less popular because most people, statistically speaking, aren't dying with more than 13 million per person or 26 million per couple. And so from a federal standpoint, a lot of these estate tax strategies are becoming less valuable because most people aren't hitting above that. But let's talk about why that's important. If you have an estate that is going to hit this uh, estate taxes, when you go above that 13 million, it gets hit at 40%. So if you have a $13 million estate, you pay nothing. If you have a $14 million estate, your estate, that 1 million, that above amount gets hit at 40%. So you went from at 13, nothing. Your, your heirs owe no estate tax. Now you have a $14 million estate, they owe 400 grand in taxes. On that 1 million gets hit at 40% when you die. So that's why people with extreme wealth, this is a serious planning situation because just to use simple math, if you have a $113 million estate as a single individual, I purposely use that 13 because you get the whole 13 for free, then the, the next 100 is going to get hit at 40%. So they would have a $40 million tax bill. So that's why when you're talking about the ultra wealthy, they're, they're seriously planning around this one because it's huge. <clears throat> All right. So that's the estate taxes. But let me also say right now it's at 13, uh, 13 million. It goes all over the place. This has been as low as zero. It's been repealed completely. I believe that was 2010. So any of you Yankee fans out there, I believe like there's a joke that like George Steinbrenner, I think that's his name. I'm not a huge baseball person, even though I lived in the Bronx for a little bit. Um, so I probably should know this, but, um, when he died in 2010, there was no estate taxes. So I think his, I don't know how much the Yankees were worth at that point, but billions, he died at the right time because he died in 2010 when there were no estate taxes at all. So his heirs saved hundreds of millions of dollars when uh, Steinbrenner died and passed it. But it's been as low as like, I think less than a million or so. So like if you have a $2 million estate, you were getting hit. And there is a lot of talk about raise, uh, decreasing it again obviously mostly from the left who's always trying to attack generational wealth. I don't care about your political beliefs on this, but I'm just talking to facts. So right now it's at a pretty high threshold of 13 million. Now again, these are all the, these are all the federal numbers. Um, some States have lower thresholds, so I'm not going to get into the state side cause that's going to vary for everyone listening, but these are the federal numbers when you don't have to worry about it. But what you do have to worry about for everybody is capital gains tax unless you play this properly. So what is capital gains tax? That, that might be more familiar for most people, but it's basically the tax levied on profits when you sell an investment, such as a stock or real estate. So real simple example, I'm gonna use long-term capital gains for all these scenarios because that's what's gonna be in the equation when we're talking about dying for the most part. So you own, uh, and this is not, investment advice. You guys always know that, but this is not investment advice. So if I drop the name of an actual stock, it's hypothetical. I'm not recommending that stock, but so let's say you have a stock or a piece of real estate. Let's say the piece of real estate, it, you bought it for an investment purpose for a hundred thousand, you wait five years and now it's worth 400,000. That $300,000 profit is going to get hit at a capital gains rate 
uh, and we're going to call that $300,000 profit is going to get hit about 20%. So that's not so bad. I mean, like a lot of people as an investment perspective, like that's pretty good. 20%, that's the max. It could actually be lower depending on your, it could be 15%, it could be zero depending on your total income. Um, but I'm using big numbers here because this is the point. So what do you need to consider like on how we can transfer things properly? So here's here's the the challenge. If you put something, how do I want to frame this? So now let's circle back to, because now we know what estate taxes are. Quick summary, they tap out at, they start at 13 million, but then they're 14%, 40% on top of it, which is high. Capital gains, it tops out at 20%, but the critical component here is that there's a way to get around capital gains tax. So now we hit probate. So like I said, this is the process. It's a publicly public court process, court supervised proceeding that authenticates a will if you have one or the state has a will if you don't. And it approves the executor that you named or it names one if you don't have one based on the state rules. And then it can distribute your assets or your state to your heirs based on your will or based on the state rules if you don't have one. So everyone technically has a will depending on the state that you live in because every state has a procedure for people who don't have this in place or they use a document you created, but it's a court process. Now, again, like I said in the beginning, a lot of investment professionals, legal professionals, everybody wants to help you avoid probate. Well, let me say this. They should help you avoid probate. I've personally seen situations where I heard from a lawyer that, oh, probate's not so bad. I recommend probate over a trust. And then when someone passes away, they're in probate for a year. You, I can't prove it, but you get the idea where I'm going with that. It would, there's the person is spending way more to the law firm getting through probate than they ever would have to build the trust. So was that unethical? I think so. I can't prove it, but it is what it is. But that's one of the reasons I, I say the goal is to avoid probate. So if you have someone telling you that probate's not so bad and to just go through with it, if it's the lawyer telling you that, I find out what they would charge to get through probate in their state versus to build a trust. Because trusts aren't necessarily cheap either, but depending on the situation, you might end up spending more to get through probate than you would have to just build the trust. That's the purpose. We're trying to avoid probate. And you can avoid probate in a lot of free ways as well. You add a beneficiary to something like your IRA, your 401k, your insurance policy, your annuity, you're all you're avoiding probate. Those are called a will substitute and they're awesome and they're free because again, you're just throwing your beneficiary information on a document and signing it and submitting it to your financial institution. You can do a beneficiary at banks, making it very simple. But we're talking here about harder assets. For example, real estate or a stock portfolio. So I'm going to focus mostly on the real estate because that's what gets more complicated. So if you put things inside of a trust, it has what's called, if you do a revocable trust, it has what's called a step up in basis when the asset is owned by you, the, the person who purchased it. And then if you're trying to generationally present it to the next of kin, and you put it inside of the trust, 
it goes through a process, what's called a step up. Meaning if you purchased a property for $500,000 and now as you're getting older, it's worth 2 million and you want to pass that to your kids. Or if in this scenario, maybe you're the young person who your parents have a property that they bought for 500 and now it's worth 2 million and they're trying to get this, get this over to you and you're presented with two choices. They can add you to the deed or they can make you the beneficiary inside the trust and the trust owns it. The, the challenge is they both get you the property to avoid probate. But what you don't want to do is the scenario where you are added. Well, I shouldn't say you don't want to do it, but you need to consider the two options. If you add them to the deed, or if you are the person listening and you're like, if I'm added to the deed, that $500,000 cost basis just got transferred to you. So now you own it at 500,000. So if your parents pass away and it's worth 2 million and you go to sell it, you're going to get hit with that capital gains on the difference between 500 grand and 2 million versus again, now you avoided probate because you are the owner of this property and you've been so since they put your name there versus they own it inside of the trust, they pass away. And now you are the beneficiary of that trust and that trust owns it. So now you're as the beneficiary, you're the new owner, but it went through a step up in basis. So that $500,000 that your parents paid for it, and it's now worth 2 million, you own it at $2 million inside of the trust. So if you go to sell it right away, there's no capital gains tax because you had that step up in basis. So you legally avoided taxes, capital gains taxes on that $1.5 million. Now, the reason this becomes a situation that you need to consider is if your parents were going to have an estate well over 13 million or 26, then they might be saying, well, we would rather put it in your name because you'll pay 20% on that 1.5 and it's capital gains, which is better than the 40% estate taxes because now it's out of their estate because you own it. So that's the give and take because in that scenario, let's pretend that there is no estate taxes to worry about. The right answer is to put it inside the trust, let it get stepped up and you and you and your siblings do whatever you want with it afterwards. You can keep it and now the, the cost basis stays at 2 million and if it grows to 4 million, well then you're, you at least avoided from 500 to two. And so now let's say there's a, a scenario where they have a lot of assets and let's say they are worried about estate taxes. They may purposely want to transfer something to you while they're alive and while you're alive, if they think the, there's great appreciation available. So here, let's use a hypothetical example of this. Uh, I'm here in Vegas, so I'm just going to make some, some hypothetical situation up. Let's say there's a, a, a person who has significant estate, let's just say $50 million estate. So they're, they're going to most likely get hit with estate taxes at 40%. And they have a parcel of land. Let's just say it's worth a million dollars and they purchased it for, I don't know, let's just say $500,000. And they know for a fact that a big casino wants to develop on that land and they think it's going to 
go to that land value is going to go from a million to 10 million hypothetically now in that scenario they might be saying you know what this thing is going to jump significantly i would rather get this out of my name and let it and transfer it to you my kid or to you the the beneficiary in that scenario and let it grow under your name versus theirs because they're like if, if this goes from 500 to 10 million under my name, then it's gonna get hit with all these estate taxes or capital gains taxes, depending on if I decide to flip it versus I give it to you and it's only gonna get hit with the capital gains taxes if you decide to sell it, whatever the case may be. But that might strategically be the way that some parents get big appreciating assets out of their estate because they know it's gonna get hit at 40%. So even if they avoid the capital gains tax, they might've gotten in a worse position because of, of the estate taxes. So these are the two things that are always a tug of war as you grow your wealth. But for everyone who's not getting hit with estate taxes, which for, as I'm recording this again, at 13 million per person, the vast majority of people, that's not an issue. So if you got a $10 million estate, you're not worried about the federal estate taxes right now in 2023, but you sure as hell should be worried about the capital gains tax because you can easily get around it with this step up in basis. So don't let anyone tell you, or at least I should say this, if you're doing these things when you're building your estate plan, you need to have someone on your financial team that is looking at the tax implication of your estate plan. Now, maybe your state at attorney knows taxes, then you should feel pretty confident with your plan. If you don't know, or they're not talking to you about the tax side of things, get your tax advisor involved. And I've said this multiple times, that might not be your, the person who files your taxes. They may not know these things. So that's one of the advantages of a certified financial planner because they look at these, they're trained to look at the estate planning process as well as the tax side of it. So it's important that you look at these things because in the example from the very beginning, that one person had their assets inside of a trust that was going to allow their kids to avoid probate and get a step up in basis, which is the goal for most people because then they legally avoid capital gains tax. So the beneficiaries, if that's you, you're gonna inherit properties, stocks, cash, whatever it is, void of capital gains tax. Conversely, in the bad advice from their friend that their friend was given, they were going to avoid probate because the kids would legally own the property before the parents died, but they would avoid probate and get hit with capital gains on whatever the cost basis was. So that could be even a bigger challenge if the parents start gifting things away at a fairly young age and expect the kid to hold on to it for another 10, 20, 30 years because they're using the, the property. In that scenario, it's like the worst of both worlds because the you, the person getting the property, has this cost basis from however long ago. It's going to keep appreciating. In theory, it's going to keep appreciating until your parents pass away. And now you own it at the day they purchased it. You don't get any of that step up. So make this be a cautionary tale. When you're doing these things, make sure the legal professional and a tax professional are on the same page because what's a good legal strategy isn't necessarily a good tax strategy and vice versa. You want all the smart people in the same room together 
helping you pick the plan because you could be getting what someone thinks is good advice because they're helping you avoid probate, but they're pushing you into a big tax problem. So hopefully this is helpful. And let me just go in through my notes. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this as well. When it comes to these things, that's why I'm also a big fan of the Roth IRA, the Roth 401k, because these are other assets that when you die, you pass them along to your beneficiaries completely tax-free because you already paid the tax on it. And that's the deal with those Roths. So if you're the person who is getting these assets, because my audience is more on the young side. So if you're talking to your parents and they're in lower income brackets, talk to them about Roth conversions because you would much rather receive as the beneficiary of Roth IRA from them versus a traditional IRA. So I don't want to go into all that now, but start talking to your tax people because the Roth ones you get tax-free. If you get a traditional one from your parents, you're going to start paying taxes on it as the beneficiary. So if your business is doing great, you may not want to get hit with additional taxes. And if they're in a lower tax bracket, again, maybe you're helping them out as, as they get older. So they're the tax bracket that you want income in right now if you're helping them because you make more money than they do in their retirement status and your business is really doing well, you might be in higher tax brackets. A lot of strategies there that are above the, I've had different episodes that we talk about that, like shifting income to your adult parents, push, push it out of your bracket into theirs. And if you really, if they don't even need the money per se, start talking about retirement strategies where they're not using the money, they're putting it into vehicles like Roths and Roth 401ks, things like that, that are ultimately going to be given back to you tax-free if they use the Roth side of things. So hope this is helpful, guys. As always, reach out to me. My Instagram is at the Pat Darby. If any of this was confusing, you want to talk more about it, DM me and uh, happy to walk you through it. But you guys have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.